Jesus. For one, notice what the Bible tells us in verse number six. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. The same came for a witness to bear witness of the light that all men through him might believe. He was not that light, but was sent to bear witness of that light. That was the true light, which lighteth every man that cometh into the world. He was in the world, and the world was made by him, and the world knew him not. He came unto his own, and his own received him not. But as many as received him, to them gave he power to become the sons of God, even to them that believe on his name, which were born not of blood, nor of the will of flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. Father, I thank you for Jesus. I thank you for him coming by way of a virgin birth. I thank you so much that you came to die for us. God, as we sang about that very thought this morning, that you were born to die, to die upon Calvary. And God, thank you for that reminder in song. Thank you for that reminder of testimony. And now, God, I pray that you would help us this morning to see the power of the light of Christ. God, as we look at this at these verses for just a few moments and as we think of the deity of jesus may we truly never forget you are the light of the world in jesus name amen jesus is king jesus is king let's try this again jesus is king Amen for that. Thank God for that. He has not left his throne. He is king. And as Jesus, 2,000 years ago, left the diadems of heaven, God sent a messenger before him. God sent a herald, if we could put it that way. A herald that would come before the king, Jesus himself. This herald, this man that would come, would herald a message of the king's arrival, of his kingship. Just as the queen, if she were to come and to grace our, with our, her with our, or grace us with her presence this morning, there would be a herald, there would be a messenger that would come. And that would let us know of her arrival, when she would arrive, and, and how she was coming. The details would be sent forth, would be heralded before. Such is the case with Jesus Christ. There were many heralds in the Old Testament. Some hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of years before Jesus ever came would give forth the herald that he's coming. But John the Baptist would have a powerful testimony in that he would introduce the ministry of Jesus Christ. What an incredible thing that is to be able to introduce the ministry of Jesus, God himself. Often we do that very same thing, do we not? We're going to visit one another. Now, let's just remove 2020 from the picture here. We would send a text or we would maybe call and say, hey, we're on our way. We'll be at your home in 30 minutes or five minutes or whatever it might be. And we would announce our arrival. Well, such is the way with Jesus himself. A message was sent by a messenger, a man named John. The Bible teaches us that as John had the privilege of being able to herald the coming of Jesus Christ, this was not unknown or unforeseen for, yea, in Isaiah chapter 53, 700 years before his coming, Isaiah uh, spoke of Jesus Christ's coming. 
Isaiah 53, 7 says, he was, oppre- he was oppressed, he was afflicted, yet he opened not his mouth. He is brought as a lamb to the slaughter, and as a sheep before her shears is so dumb, so opened he not his mouth. The Bible teaches us that as Jesus Christ, King Jesus himself came, he did not come as the king. He came as the sacrifice, the payment for our sins. You see, he came, yes, announcing him as king, but he came as king announcing that he would be the sacrifice, the propitiation, the payment for our sins. Thank God for that. One day he is going to come as king. One day he is going to come and he is going to rule and to reign on this earth. The Bible teaches us that when he comes, he will have on his vesture and on his thigh a name written, King of Kings and Lord of Lords. Every king that we see on this earth that's vying for power, that's vying for authority, is a small king, has no power compared to the power of Jesus Christ. Oh, yes, there's much fights about these small kings, but I'm thankful I serve the king of all kings. He is the Lord of all lords. And praise God, we have that king who came by way of the virgin birth. He was made flesh. And the Bible tells us as Jesus was about to enter the scene, as Jesus' ministry was about to begin, the herald came forth, the messenger was sent, the phone call was given, the text message was sent, if we could put it that way. What was this? It was through the ministry, as we see in John chapter 1, verse number 6. Read it with me once again. There was a man sent from God, whose name was John. This man, John, there are several Johns in the Bible that you'll read through. It's not speaking of the disciple John who God used to pen the book or the gospel of John. That's not the John in which it's speaking to. It's speaking of a man named John. We would call him often the Baptist. John the Baptist. He was the man who was a cousin to Jesus Christ himself. His birth in and of itself was truly a miracle. His parents had wanted a child for so long, and yet Zacharias and Elizabeth had no children until God miraculously put John the Baptist into the womb of Elizabeth. God would truly give life to John there in the womb of Elizabeth, and Elizabeth and Zacharias would have a baby this baby would be different he would live different than many others his diet was different than ours the bible tells us he lived on honey and locusts i thank god and praise god i'm not john the baptist amen (laughs) i like pizza (laughs) i want pizza (laughs) and yet that's what john the baptist lived upon The Bible teaches us that he probably was a Nazarite, and I believe he was a Nazarite. The Bible says he touched not the fruit of the vine. In other words, he never partook in grape juice. He never had uh, anything alcoholic. It was truly something in which he abstained from, from all of his life like the Nazarites would. This would implore that a razor never came upon his head, like Samuel and Samson of old the bible teaches us that around his loins around his waist was a leather girdle like elijah speaking of that prophecy stating that a man like elijah would come and foretell herald be the messenger of the messiah jesus christ jesus talked about john and about his ministry highly The Bible teaches us in Luke chapter 7, verse number 28, For I say unto you, among those that are born of women, there is not a greater prophet than John the Baptist. And this man, John, was sent from God. Think about that thought for just a moment. He was sent from God. 
You cannot be sent from someone unless you first know that person. John the Baptist came from God because he knew God. John the Baptist was sent from from God because he had first been with God. My friends, we look at the power and the authority that those who herald forth the gospel and the word of God have, and the only power and the only authority that can come from the word of God is because it was from God. And because that message was given, that the power and the inspiration of God, God could use his word in great power and authority. And thank God he gave men like John, uh, John uh, uh, the disciple John, and even preserved some of the words of John the Baptist and had given those to us today. And with his great power, he is not only did he not only inspire those words but he's preserved them for us to you and i today but the power comes from god john's powerful ministry was not because he was set apart in his diet or because he didn't drink or partake in some way even though that validated his ministry his power was because he was from god his power came from because he knew God himself. And as John the Baptist came with power and authority from God, notice what the Bible says in verse number seven. The same came for a witness, to bear witness of the light, that all men through him might believe. The Bible tells us John came as a witness. He came from God as a witness. That word witness there is important. He was not a lawyer who was trying to argue a side or to give reason to convince one to believe a story. That's not what his role was. His role was a legal witness. What is a witness? What is a witness called to do? Well, a witness is called to tell the truth the whole truth and as we hear the phrase often and nothing but the truth john was called to testify not upon on what he was convinced of himself that he saw but rather what he knew was right according to the truth of god john's john's message as he bared witness or told the truth about jesus christ and bared that witness was not just for the Jews. I love this. The Bible says that all men through him might believe. His message was not just to the Jewish people who lived near where he lived and preached. It wasn't even just for those residents that were nearby that were of Gentile or other other nationalities. It was not even just for those who had some interaction with John at that time, but rather it was for all men. That's an important word. That's an important phrase. Because as John the Baptist bared witness and gave the truth about the light, that puts us as a recipient of that message. In other words, the message that John the Baptist preached as he heralded forth, the light is coming. His ministry is about to begin. It's not only for the Jews that were living at that time, but it's for you and I. John not only introduces the glorious king of Jesus Christ to those who were living at that time, but he also introduces the glorious king to you and I today. Thank God that that message holds value and meaning for us. The message of the light of Christ was not just for the Jewish people, was not just for the Gentiles in audience, but it's for the all, but it's for all men, the whole world. Jesus is not just for the Jews. It's for me. It's for you. The message of the light of Christ is for all of us today. And John bared witness, gave truth, gave evidence of that fact. 
Then we come to verse number 8. We're getting to the message. Let me just give you some introduction here this morning. In verse number 8, we see he, speaking about John, John the Baptist, was not that light, but was sent to bear witness of that light. Israel was in a dark time, dark place in history. They were looking for the truth. They were looking for something that would shed light. And John was a picture of heralding forth the light in a dark time. God has given us a very physical object for us to be minded of this very thing. In the dark of the night, God has given us something to reflect or to bear witness of the light. We call it the moon. The moon has no light. If it wasn't for the sun, we would have no light at night because the moon reflects the light. It shines forth and gives us something to guide by and something to see in the darkness. It bears witness of the light. Such is the case with John. John the Baptist was not the light. He was not the son, the son of God, the son of righteousness. But he bared witness of that light. What does that mean? That means he shined forth. He was a reflection of the light, the light of Jesus Christ. And as Israel in a dark time was trying to navigate life and doing so poorly, may I state, he was one that would shine forth and say, just as the night is coming to an end, because as the night comes to an end, something happens. The sun begins to dawn. John the Baptist himself knew that his ministry was temporary. Because as the sun rises, the moon disappears. John the Baptist said this, He, speaking of Christ, must increase, but I must decrease. What was he saying? He's saying there's someone much better and much more beautiful that can give the light that you're looking for in life. I'm just a reflection of that light. But there is one that you can look to. There is one that can light your life that can light your, uh, all, of you, all of your being, all of your heart, all of your path. He can light every step of the way. And in order for you to see that light, I must decrease. I must fade away because in the glory of the sun, you're not looking for the moon. You're looking for that in which shines forth that ever, uh, that, uh, that ever burning light that lights like the moon cannot. And oh, my friends, John the Baptist understood very quickly that there was a sun that was coming and he was going to be that true light. John 1 verse number 9 says that was the true light speaking of Jesus Christ which lighteth every man that cometh into the world. Think about that for just a moment. Jesus Christ shines forth his glorious light upon every single one. Every single one. The sun shows no favoritism in showing forth light. We got a little glimpse of the sun as we came in through the rain showers this morning is it still shining today glory to god hallelujah we like the sun why because it shines and it's unprejudiced in what it shines it's not doesn't discriminate any way it clearly shines upon all men the just and the unjust it shines upon all and jesus christ truly is the light for all men he shines upon all men no matter what circumstance you find yourself in life today, he is the light for your life, and he wants to be that light. John chapter 8, Jesus said this very thing. Jesus spake again unto them, saying, I 
am the light of the world. He that followeth me shall not walk in darkness, but shall have the light of life. The sun gives forth life. It brings forth life. It causes life to flourish. And that sun, as it gives life, is a truly a beautiful picture of Jesus Christ. Because his life, or his light is life. He shines forth that light. He truly brings life like no one else can. He shines upon all. And John was sent to bear witness, saying the sun is coming. The darkness is fading. Jesus is here. He heralds that message. And then the world has an option. You and I have a choice. We see the choice presented to us in verse number 10. As they whirled, sadly, many chose to reject that light. Notice what the Bible says. He, Jesus, was in the world. And the world was made by him. And notice this statement. And the world knew him not. I can only envision try to place myself there next to an older man named John, the disciple of Christ, who followed Christ, who loved him dearly. As he, as either an older man pastoring in Ephesus or on the Isle of Patmos, thinks back and recalls upon the glorious light of Jesus Christ. And as it shines forth and shines upon all men, I can only envision and picture and try to put my place or my heart in the place of John as he loved Jesus Christ so much, so dearly. Gave his life for the ministry of as he thought and recalled upon all that God had done, he begins to muse. He was there. The light was right there. The light shook your hand. The light rubbed elbows with you in life. The light interacted with you you spoke to that very light. You even sold food to the one who would give light and life. You saw testimony and were witness of the light that was shown upon the hearts of others that rescued people from the darkness of sin and gave them hope of eternal life. They knew the light. They saw the light. John says, but they knew him not. They rejected the light. The sun shines. We welcome it. But you don't have to welcome that light. You could go into your home. You could get blackout blinds. And you could barricade yourself in darkness. The light's shining, but you don't have to accept that light. You could hide from the sun as long as it shines and live only in darkness. That's your choice. Sadly, this is the choice of the world. Sees the beauty and the life of the Lord Jesus Christ and chooses to reject that light. But wait. As John's heart couldn't be more burdened, 
he recalls in verse number 11. He came unto his own, and his own received him not. Muse upon that statement. He came unto his own, his own people. The very ones who would gather with him in the temple to hear of David, Solomon, hear the prophecies of Isaiah, Micah, and the law from Moses and others. And as they heard about the light and the Messiah and looked for a Savior, the very one that would give them light and life was in the very midst of them. And yet, they rejected him. Could you imagine the burden of an older pastor with years seeing life after life changed by the glorious light of Jesus Christ recalls upon the very people who were watching for the Messiah reject the very Messiah that was in their presence. How heartbreaking. And yet it was true. There's something about walking in the light. I remember years ago when I was a teenager, we went to a park, decided to walk on a trail through this park at a lake called Vesuvius. Lake Vesuvius is what it was called. My two younger brothers were with, were with us, and my mom and dad thought it was a good time of the day to go on this walk. We didn't think anything much about it. It was summertime, and we thought, okay, it's warm, and it's a nice day. Let's go for a walk, and so we did. It was late afternoon, early evening, but most trails are pretty short. You can walk them in at least an hour or so, it seems. So we didn't think anything about it. We were about 15, 30 minutes into our walk, and we saw two men walk the other way. Back towards the car park in which we had just come from. And they looked at us and said, Do you know where you're going? My dad said, well, we're just following this trail. And they said, you're taking this trail? I said, well, yeah. They said, you better turn back and go back to the car park now. This is a nine-mile trail. You don't have enough light, daylight left, to make this trip. My dad looked at them and kind of dismissed it and said, ah, they don't know what they're talking about. So we kept walking. We start walking through the woods and continue getting deeper and deeper and deeper into the woods. And as we get deeper and deeper into the woods, we start coming into a very thicket or a very thick thicket of pine trees. And the sun is setting. Well, it's not setting, it's set. Darkness is veiled. And in the middle of a pine forest, if you've ever been in, da- in darkness, it is dark. My brother had a fluorescent white, and that's the best way I could describe it, T-shirt on. And it was so dark, you could not even see his white T-shirt standing right next to you. We had no idea where we were going. None whatsoever. We didn't have a torch. We didn't have anything to give us light. And we were in trouble. My dad ended up taking his foot and literally kicking it up the side rocks and such and trying to navigate. We stayed literally right next to each other trying to navigate. And finally, we found a place that was, we thought, hopefully a safe place to rest for a moment. And my mom began to look through her pocketbook for something that may have some light, a match or something. And she had just cleaned out pocketbook before uh, we had left for this trip and 
She had removed all the books of matches at that time. They were very popular to just get in restaurants and such where we grew up all the time. And she would just pick them up just because you never know when you might need them. And she decided to put all those out because why would I need them? However, she found one pocket book of matches that was just nestled in her handbag. And she tried to light one. And since they had been there for who knows how long and who knows what was around them at different times of that life of that book of matches, it didn't light. It wouldn't work. We got down to the last match. And finally it struck, and we very quickly brought dry pine needles and leaves and any other little thing we could to keep that fire going. And sure enough, we were able to get a fire going, and we were thankful for that light. We ended up staying all night long in that pine thicket. By a rock, my, my mom looks at it with, with fond memories. I think, thank God for the daylight when we can go home, amen? <laughs> When we go back to the hotel and crash, because none of us got any rest. We were all sitting cold, bundled next to this fire. We were thankful for that light that we had in the midst of the darkness. Jesus shines forth his light. You can choose to extinguish it and reject it in your heart and life but it's much better to accept it. John portrays the bad news of those rejecting the light, but then he doesn't stop. As he continues to think about God himself, the light of the world shining upon men, he says, yes, some of, the, some of those in the world rejected. Yes, some of those who were among his own brethren chose to reject the light of the world. But then he comes to verse number 12, and thank God that he shows the light that is received. In John chapter 1, verse number 12, notice what it says. But as many as received him... To them gave he power to become the sons of God, even to them that believe on his name, which were born not of blood, nor of the will of flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. I want you to notice three key verbs here in, this, here in these verses. First of all, you notice that the Bible tells us that they received, why? Because they believed. The Bible says, but as many as received him to them gave he power to become the sons of God. Why did they receive Jesus Christ? Why did they choose to receive the light? It's because of this phrase, even to them that believe on his name. The Bible tells us that the first thing in which these people had a choice as they looked at the light was to believe on upon that light was to believe upon the name of jesus christ why because there is power in the name of jesus matthew in the gospel of matthew tells the name of jesus christ no less than 151 times mark as he pens in the gospel of mark states the name of jesus 13 times in the book of luke we see in that very gospel the name of Jesus 88 times. But in the gospel of John, in which we are looking at today, you will find the name of Jesus no less than 247 times. Why? Because John understood of the beauty of the light of Jesus Christ. John understood how wonderfully beautiful that name is. That's why Matthew, Mark, and Luke, and John gave his name hundreds upon hundreds of times. Why? Because there is one name upon, up, upon all others in which we are to put our belief in, and that is Jesus Christ why is such power among that name? The Bible teaches us the power behind that name is because of Matthew chapter 1 in verse number 21. The Bible teaches us, and she, Mary, shall bring forth a son, and thou shalt call his name Jesus. And notice what the power is behind this name. For he shall save his people from their sins. You see, the reason it is important to believe on the name of Jesus Christ is because as we believe in the name of Jesus Christ, 
It is to believe in what his name signifies. It is what his name represents. And his name, as we believe in that name of Jesus, gives proof and evidence that we believe he can save us from our sins. When I believe in the name of Jesus Christ, it is recognition that I need a Savior, that I am lost and undone, that I am in darkness and I am believing in the one who can give light. It is recognition that there is a Savior and that Savior is Jesus. The importance of the name of Jesus Christ is that it gives recognition that he is the Savior who is reaching out and is wanting to rescue me from the perils of death and destruction that await pain for my sins in a place called hell. Jesus is the key to our salvation. Jesus is the name that we are to believe in. Jesus was first believed. And then notice that his name wasn't just believed. But in, chapter, but in verse number 12, he says, But as many as received him, to them gave he power to become the sons of God. The Bible tells us not only did they believe in the name of Jesus Christ, they believe, not only did they believe in the light, but they received the light. They didn't just believe that the Son existed. They accepted that the Son existed. They received the light. They accepted the light. Oh, it is so vital that we understand that to believe in Jesus Christ is good. There are many that believe, even Satan himself believes in Jesus. But it is one thing to believe, it is another thing entirely to receive. There are so many times in which we hear the name of Christ, especially as we say Merry Christmas, speaking the very name of Jesus Christ. But to believe in Jesus and that Jesus is true is a good thing, but one must receive him. One must choose to receive Jesus Christ as their personal Savior. Reminded of a couple who was caught in a flood. The flood had come so quickly that they didn't have time to leave the area, but their only way of defense was to climb up on the roof. And as they climbed up on the roof and they began to pray, this dear Christian couple, that God would save them from the flood, that God would save them from drowning. Shortly after they prayed, there was a family that was escaping the floods on a small boat in which they had. They saw this couple on their roof of their home and they sailed close to that home and said, do you need help? Can we help you? This couple looked at this family and said, thank you, but we prayed and we believe God is going to save us. You can continue on. And so they did. After a while, they began to pray again, fer more fervently this time. They said, God, would you please save us from this flood? The waters are getting higher. It's becoming more and more dangerous. God, would you please save us? Shortly thereafter, a large Coast Guard vessel rescuing people from around the community who, like this couple, were trapped recognized the distress of this family and was able to sail up and was able to get near to the boat or uh, near to the home and called out and said do you need help we're here to rescue this couple said no no thank you god is going to save us we've prayed and we trust god is going to save us and so the coast guard vessel continued on this couple decided as they saw the waters begin to be perilously close, to even more fervently with much weeping 
pray and ask God to save them from the flood. No sooner had they ended their heartfelt prayer than a helicopter circling the community saw them and dropped down a ladder and said, we're here to save you. And the couple shouted up and said, no, thank you. We've prayed and we believe God is going to save us. The helicopter flew off and not much time later, the floodwaters exceeded the roof of that home, swept that couple away and both of them perished. They entered heaven's shores and they looked to God and said, God, we pray that you would save us. Why didn't you save us? We trusted that you were going to rescue us. God looked at them and said, I sent a boat, I sent the Coast Guard, and I sent a helicopter. What else did you need? God had sent the answer, but they chose not to receive it. God sent the answer. The answer was, is Jesus Christ. God's waiting for us to receive it, to accept it, to accept that light, to reach out and to take the light, the light of Jesus Christ, the light of the Savior, reach out and accept the very hand of salvation that is reaching out to all today. He is waiting for us to reach out and to take the wonderful saving hand of Jesus Christ. But how can we do that? How can we take and accept that wonderful hand of rescue, that wonderful light that brings life? Well, the Bible teaches us in Romans chapter 10 how we can accept that gift of salvation, how we can accept that, of, of that redeeming hand, that rescuing hand of the Savior. The Bible says that if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus and shalt believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. For with the heart man believeth unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. For the scripture saith, Whosoever believeth on him shall not be ashamed. For there is no difference between the Jew and the Greek. For the same Lord over all is rich unto all that call upon him. For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. God is waiting for us to simply to call out, to believe in our heart that he is the Savior, to believe that he is the light of the world, to believe that he is the one that can give us life when there is no life, that he is the one that can shed a light upon our life in the midst of a dark and bitter world. And he is waiting for us to call upon him, to call out and to accept that wonderful salvation that he so freely offers. He wants us to believe. And as our hearts choose to believe, we must choose to receive. Choose to call out and choose to accept him as our personal savior, to choose to ask him to save us and to redeem us. You see, receiving is as simple as calling out to Jesus for salvation. It's doing what the thief on the cross did as he hung next to the Lord Jesus Christ himself as he said, Lord, remember me when thou comest into thy kingdom. It's as simple as that. It's as simple as calling out upon to Jesus Christ and say, Jesus, I want you to save me. I want you to take me to heaven. I want you to restore my relationship with God. I believe in you enough that I'm going to call out and ask for you to save me. It is as simple as that. And notice what the Bible says. For the moment that we receive, the moment that we call out for salvation, the moment that we ask him to save us, what happens the Bible says, for as many as received him, to them gave he power to become the sons of God. You see, the key verbs in these verses are believe, receive, and become. Because when we believe and receive Jesus, something happens. God gives us the authority 
the state that we have become a child of God. The moment that I put my faith and trust in Christ, I become a child of God. The moment as a five-year-old boy, when I put my faith and trust in Christ, I became a son of God. He brought life into me. Spiritually, I am made alive. The Holy Spirit of God came and quickened my spirit, and I am alive. I am a eternal, uh, I have eternal spiritual life that has been quickened by the very deity of God himself. Only God can be, allow us to become or to bring us into his family. Only God can take that which had no life and give life to it. And that's exactly what the Holy Spirit of God has done. He brings life into that which does not have life after we believe and receive Jesus Christ. It's as simple as that. This world tries to complicate it. James spoke of that. Notice he says, not of blood. What does that mean, not of blood? In other words, I can't pass down to my son's salvation, physically speaking. Just because their father is saved doesn't make my sons automatically saved. I want them to receive Christ, but just because I am saved doesn't automatically make anyone else in my family saved. It's not a blood. It can't be passed down from one generation and one generation through simply a heritage. It must be received personally. It must personally be received. Nor of the will of flesh. The Bible teaches us that that will there speaks of a wish or a want. In other words, John is pointing out that one might wish they're in heaven, but just because they wish they were in heaven doesn't mean that they would will go to heaven. One can hope that they'll be in heaven, but that doesn't mean they will be in heaven one day. That word will is speaking of desiring that in which you have not fully received it's like i wish i was the son of a millionaire but just because i wish i'm the son of a millionaire doesn't make me the son of a millionaire and i might even convince myself in some way that i am the son of a millionaire but it still doesn't make me the son of a millionaire my parents say, yes, I wish you were the son of a millionaire. <laughs> I'm not. But just because I wish it doesn't make it happen. Just because I hope to be in heaven doesn't mean that I will. Unless I believe on Jesus Christ and receive him as my Savior. Nor of the will of man. This is so often today. This is something in which we have to guard ourselves even after receiving Christ from. Because this is so prominent that in society we want to achieve and we want to prosper and grow and we want to receive more and have more and we know hard work goes into all of that. And so religion has taken the hard work and has incorporated that into the gospel. And they said, oh yes, Jesus is good, but in order to get to heaven you must then be baptized. Baptism does not save. But there are religions today that try to convince that baptism will save. So not only must you be baptized, but you must live a good life. Your good deeds must outweigh your bad deeds. And if your good deeds outweigh your bad deeds, you can hope that you'll be in heaven. That's not what the Bible teaches. The world convinces us today, and, re and religion often convinces us today, that we must perform some type of religious duty to once again earn our way to heaven. 
or maybe even achieve some goal of spirituality that can give us value of what we think is going to earn us into heaven. But the Bible teaches us that it's not of blood. It's not of the will of the flesh. It's not of the will of man. All man can do is try to orchestrate those things. But the power comes in believing in Jesus Christ and receiving Jesus Christ as Savior. And the moment that you trust in Christ alone for salvation, he gloriously and freely gives salvation to us. Not because we're good but rather because we're sinners. Not because we've done something to earn the grace of God, because God's grace is given to all, just as the light of the sun is given to all. It shines on the just and on the unjust, and God wants us to receive that light. God wants us to accept his beautiful gift of a Savior. Just as God brought life to me in the womb he has the power to give spiritual life to those who believe and receive jesus christ as savior he wonderfully enables us to be born again into the family of god born into as a child of him what a wonderful thing it would be on this week of christmas that if you do not know Christ as Savior, to be born into the family of God. As we think about that wonderful virgin birth of Jesus Christ entering this earth, God himself, King Jesus himself, being born and truly coming for us. He came for us. But we must choose to receive that light. That light has power like nothing else. But you must choose to accept it. May I encourage you this morning, if you have any doubts in your heart, would you get it settled this morning? Would you put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ? Would you not just simply believe in Jesus, but receive him? Ask him to save you ask him to be your savior he is waiting for us to call upon him i don't know your heart you don't know mine only god knows my heart i know i'm saved are you a born again child of god this morning if not why don't you make this christmas season one that you'll never forget by being born into the family of God, by asking Jesus 